Our scripture reading this evening is from 1 Peter, Peter's first letter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and then reading through into chapter 2 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, let us hear uh, the word of the Lord. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through, the, through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action <clears throat> and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, 
who through him are believers in God, who raised raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen, so read, who reads God's holy and infallible word. I'll turn with me again to First Peter, First Peter chapter one, where uh, our text is verses three to five of this this first uh, chapter, a sermon that I've entitled "Blessings Enjoyed in Jesus Christ." Blessings enjoyed in Jesus Christ. Sandra and I have a little saying. Uh, and that is that when some cherished mug or some prized plate is broken, well, nothing lasts forever. And of course, what is true of mugs and plates is true in a universal sense. As it states in First Corinthians 7 and verse 31, for the present form of this world is passing away. And that's reinforced in 1 John 2.17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But then that verse continues. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there is something. There is something that lasts forever. The souls of believers. God's kingdom and all who have entered it in this life will last forever. That is the major theme of our text this evening. These three verses from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Reading them again, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice some of the phrases that are found in the text. A living hope, resurrection from the dead, an inheritance kept in heaven for you. All of these phrases speak of of eternal life, life everlasting. Now, in the first two verses of this chapter, Peter introduces himself, the author, 
or the human author, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Also introduced are the initial recipients of the letter with respect to their geographical location, uh, uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, uh, regions that we would now uh, nominate as northern Turkey. And then he introduces us also to their standing, uh, their spiritual standing, elect exiles. In other words, they were dispersed believers, uh, people who somewhere or other had found Christ as their Savior and Lord. And Peter imparted, imparted to them uh, a special greeting. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. He wanted uh, to do them good. He wanted God's blessing to abound in their lives. Now Peter enters into the, the substance of his letter. And he begins with words of adulation, words of adoration, words of praise to Almighty God. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Words that could often be in our lips and should often be in our lips. We think of how Psalm 34 begins. Bless the Lord, O my soul, or Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then there follows a concise and very, dis in, in concise and very descriptive language. The blessings enjoyed by, by believers. These are the blessings enjoyed by Peter himself. Blessings enjoyed by by these elect exiles in northern Turkey. And these are blessings that you believers here in Trinity enjoy because of Jesus Christ and his great work of redemption. Now, the, the outline of the sermon highlights four of these blessings, four that I've identified. And we move quickly to the first one, the blessing of the new birth, the blessing of the new birth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. When a child is born, parents are thrilled, siblings are excited, grandparents are overjoyed, and everyone wishes that the baby will grow up healthy and well. The parents will make provision for their newborn son or daughter by making sure that he or she is kept warm and well-fed and protected, protected from harm and danger. But switched-on Christian parents know that their baby has a need, a primary need, a fundamental need that money cannot buy. And that is the new birth. For you see, every child that comes into the world needs to be born again. And what parents cannot do, God can. And only God can. Not a priest. Not a grandparent. Not baptism. Nothing or no one apart from God. Our text makes this abundantly clear that God is the, the author of the new birth. Verse 3 again. According to his great mercy, he has caused us 
to be born again. Well, is there anything that Christian parents can do about this? Is there anything that Christian parents can do to to meet this crucial need? To meet this fundamental need? Something that is more important than all the milk that the baby will drink? Something that is much, much more essential than all the clothes that the baby will wear? Something that is much more crucial than all the jobs that the baby will be given? So is there anything that parents can do to bring this about? And there is. And it's very simple. Pray. They can ask God for this blessing for their child. And what's more, they can pray on the basis of promise. Because God has promised to give salvation's blessing to the children of believers And that's at the very outset of the revelation or the revealing of the covenant of grace. Genesis 17, verse 7. God speaking to Abraham says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And so Christian parents will will pray something like this. God, you are our God. You've been our God for for many, many years. And now we're praying. We're praying that you will be God to our little one. And you've promised to be her God or his God. And now we're claiming that promise for her. Claiming promise for our children. And of course, not only does... God works in terms of, of his promise, but he also works in terms of means. And that comes out in the chapter later on because we see that God uses his word to bring about the new birth. Verse 23, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And so not only will parents pray, but, but they will have their child present during family worship. They will have their child present during public worship. And then uh, later on, they will teach their children God's word. They will bring their children to Sabbath school. Uh, They will have their children uh, understand uh, the the word of God as, as, as read as far as possible. God uses these means. And so uh, how important Uh, The word of God is to our little ones. The new birth, something that God brings about, something that is crucially important. There was a little boy in Belfast, uh, I just don't know which part, but but his name was Dahe, and he was very much in the news in the springtime because he needed a new heart. Uh, And we trust and pray that uh, a perfect match will be found and that Dahe will be given a new heart. And, and uh, but when that happens, uh, uh, and we trust it will, then he, he could possibly have a life expectancy of 50 years or 60 years, maybe up to 80 years. But then that life will be over. But if your child is given a new heart, a spiritual heart, if your child is born again, then the life expectancy is eternal. 
then the life expectancy is to live forever with God and with all the saints in glory. So what a blessing the new birth is. I trust and pray that all of you have experienced the new birth. And that for, 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 for members of your family who haven't, then you will be praying for them day and daily that, that they will experience the new birth. And not only that, but you will seek to bring them under the word. That through the word, God will bring about this blessing. And then you will also be concerned for your neighbors and your friends. Because they need to be born again as well. And it's only God can do that through the word. I know you've been doing, uh, distributing uh, the Evangelical Times yesterday with all the testimonies and with all the challenges that are in it. And so you'll be praying now that God will use that word, that testimony, to bring neighbors and friends to new life in Jesus Christ. The blessing of the new birth. Then secondly, the blessing of a living hope. The blessing of a living hope. Peter and the recipients of his letter had been born again. And because of that, they possessed a living hope. Verse 3 again, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Now, in everyday conversation, we often say, I hope everything turns out all right. But by this sentiment, we're conveying the reality that, that we cannot be sure if things will work out all right. Because earthly hopes can be so quickly dashed. They can so easily come to nothing. However, the hope that Peter is writing about here is not something that is vague and uncertain. It's not a hope that, that will one day evaporate and disappear. There was a time when, when people placed all their hopes and all their expectations on the NHS. When ill, uh, an ambulance would be at their door in minutes. On arrival at hospital, a comfortable bed would be ready. And doctors and nurses would be in hand to make uh, the person uh, well again or to attend to all their medical problems. Now that is all but gone. Is it any wonder then that in our modern technological and chaotic world, hope is in very short supply? But that is not the hope that Peter is writing about here. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. In other words, the hope referred, referred to here never dies. It is living. It is abiding. It keeps on growing. It keeps on increasing in strength as year passes year. That is why, as an older Christian nears the end of life's journey, there is an impatience, and I have met it frequently in pastoral visits, an impatience to pass through death and experience what they've hoped and yearned for all through the years, to depart and to be with Christ, which they know will be far, far better. To quote Paul's words, uh, or to quote from the, the letter to the Hebrews, which speaks of the Christian hope, we have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this. We have this hope 
as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And this hope is, is not based on some vague mystical idea. No, this hope is based on an event, an historical event, a momentous event, as the text informs us. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus Christ has risen, because Jesus Christ has conquered the power of death and the grave and ascended into glory, then all who are his, all who are united to him by faith, will likewise triumph over death and the grave and enter glory. Friends, that is our hope. That is our sure and certain hope based on an historical fact, based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, a hope that is sure and steadfast, an anchor of the soul. As Jesus himself testified, because I live, you will live also. The blessing of the new birth, the blessing of a living hope, And now thirdly, the blessing of a glorious inheritance. The blessing of a glorious inheritance. He has caused us to be born again to an inheritance. The Christian hope is of a glorious inheritance. A house with many rooms. A city with perfect security. A paradise with no blemishes. But maybe someone speculates and says, well, what if all the rooms are occupied when I arrive? Or, what if the enemy has infiltrated the city when I pass through its gates? Or, what if paradise will be spoiled when my time comes? But God says, God's people are promised, verse 4, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved or kept in heaven for you. That is God's promise to you, Christian, and to every true believer in this world. I have a friend who was making the trip of a lifetime with his wife and two small children. They'd booked their flights well in advance, paid the fares, and were waiting in eager eager expectation to travel. But in the event, when they reached the flight attendant, they were told, no more places. The paperwork had promised them seats, but in the event... There were no seats left. And so their hopes were dashed. The company had broken its promise. Well, God is not like that. He always, he always keeps his word. He never goes back on his promises. He is the faithful one, always faithful. And as a believer, you are promised You're promised in the life to come an inheritance 
that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, and kept by God. Balaam uttered this about God in his oracle, Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Our inheritance is certain, because the Lord our God stands by every promise that he has made, and he fulfills every guarantee that he has given. And what a guarantee is provided. It is imperishable, meaning that it is not subject to decay. It's unable to be worn out with the passage of time. Not like the pair of Wellington boots that I inherited from a man in Lisburn. Uh, the man was a member of the congregation. He had died uh, and he had a nice pair of Wellington boots and his wife said, you might as well have them. And I did. They fitted me perfectly and I wore them for about 20 years but then they wore out and they had to be thrown in the dustbin. But our Spiritual inheritance will never wear out. It is imperishable. But as well as being imperishable, it is also undefiled, unstained by sin. As one writer has pointed out, Peter's contemplation of a heavenly inheritance was unpolluted by sin and containing nothing unworthy of God. Imperishable, undefiled, and it's also unfading. It will never wither. It will never grow dim. It will never lose its beauty or its glory. So friends, what an inheritance awaits us. So through faith in Jesus Christ, make sure that your feet, your spiritual feet, are firmly placed on the narrow way that leads to glory that leads to the heavenly home, that leads to this glorious inheritance. And that only comes by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, by relying on him to save your soul from death and to prepare you for the life to come. The blessing of the new birth, the blessing of a living hope, the blessing of a glorious inheritance. And I, fourthly and finally, the blessing of an ironclad security. The blessing of ironclad security. It's possible that someone sitting here or someone listening at home will, will be thinking about this inheritance and, yes, accepting that it is glorious, that it is wonderful. But will I continue to keep following Christ in this life so that I can enter into the inheritance so that I will be blessed with this inheritance. Well, I can say to you this evening on the basis of God's word and so on the basis of God himself that if, if you have been born again, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, then you're given a cast iron guarantee that you will make it to glory that you will enter uh, the, the paradise of God. 
And it will not be because of your strength. And it will not be because of your determination to stay the course in the face of intense suffering or in the face of bitter persecution. No, it will not be because of you, but it will be because of God and his keeping power and his guarding you and protecting you and upholding you throughout the remainder of your time on earth. Verse 5 of our text, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The key word in this verse is guarded. It is in a tense in the original that means being continually guarded. In other words, God is never caught off guard. Psalm 121 brings that home to us because uh, the God whom we love and the God whom we serve neither slumbers nor sleeps. And so he's watching over us continually. He never uh, lifts his eye from us. His guard is always uh, there. During President Biden's visit to Belfast in the spring, he was being continually guarded. That's the kind of protection U.S. presidents are given. But that security, wonderful though it may be, is never foolproof. In my youth, President Kennedy was shot dead in November 1963. And President Reagan was shot and almost killed in March 1981. Presidential security, not foolproof. But God's security of the believer is always foolproof. Because the God whom we serve, the God whom we love, utilizes his infinite power to protect his saints. Notice what the text says. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And how comforting that is. He is the almighty one. He's the all-powerful one. He's the one that brought the whole universe into being. And he's using that power to protect you and to protect me, that we will make it through this world to glory. And so this evening, thank your Heavenly Father. Thank your Heavenly Father for that divine ring of steel that ensures your perseverance to glory. But never let that lead to complacency. Notice those crucial two words injected into the middle of the verse. Through faith, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God does not guard his people apart from their faith. Rather, it is through their faith, through their faith that he guards and protects his dear children. And so the challenge for you and me uh, is this. We must keep on trusting. We must keep on believing. We must keep on fixing all our hope on Jesus. And then we will experience the salvation 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, the last time is, is a reference here to Christ's return, when glorified souls will be united to resurrected bodies, and we will dwell with Christ in the new heaven and the new earth, and all his glorified saints. What a prospect. What a prospect for the believer. What a precious thing to be a Christian and to have this assurance and this guarantee. What a God we have that watches over us throughout our journey here on earth. What a prospect then brought about by God the Father who blesses us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In this world, nothing lasts forever. Jugs and plates get broken. But in the world to come, everything lasts forever. For in glory, in heaven, we will glorify and enjoy our Savior, Jesus Christ, without intermission forever. And what a prospect that is. Amen. Let us again stand before God in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we, we do thank you for uh, the, the new birth that you have brought about uh, in, in our hearts so that we have come to know you and to love you, so that we are alive spiritually, so that we have a prospect before us in glory knowing that all our sins are forgiven and know that we are clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. What a blessing to have a living hope in a hopeless world, that we have a hope that, that the unbeliever knows nothing of, that, that keeps us buoyant, that keeps us purposeful every day that we rise from our beds and all based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And our Father, we, we do thank you for the glorious inheritance that awaits us, something that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, that is kept in heaven for every true believer. And we thank you for the ironclad security that we will be shielded, that we will be guarded, that we will be protected as we make our journey through this life. We know that the evil one is out to, to ensnare us and to, uh, to pull us down, but, but by your almighty power you keep us up. And even though we stumble, you, you pick us up that we might continue running the, uh, the, the life of faith uh, for the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. So bless your word to all our hearts this evening as we now sing and give praise to your name. Such a wonderful God that we know and serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>